Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is John Keeley and this is the podcast extension for ROI Show 538. Our noted guest for today is Ann Finkbeiner, freelance science writer, who will be talking to us about her blog post, what we've completely 100% changed our minds about. The history buffs joining us today are Brett Menard, Ed, Ed Broders, and we left the show off with the topic of, or the issue of, how people during the COVID-19 pandemic were either considering and changing their minds or those who weren't and other aspects of it. So, Ed, what's your take on that? Well, one of the factors in that that's um, been propagated for the last 40-some years by one particular party is the um, expertise is no longer considered a better qualification to speak to something than some person off the street. And I'd like to have Ann talk about how the effect of the internet and social media have really kind of poured a lot of fat on that fire. Okay. Uh, Before we do that, Brett, what was your take on the topic? Then we'll let Ann answer Ed's question. So I certainly think that one of the things the pandemic did, because it shrunk our social circles. It became harder to have those uh, random encounters with other individuals because um, a lot of us were working from home. Uh, You didn't go out uh, to the restaurant or or the coffee shop and strike up conversations uh, with other folks. Is It accelerated a trend that had been around for a while where people seek out echo chambers and and seek out places where their current beliefs are affirmed instead of challenged. Um, And that's something that we can see on both sides of the political spectrum as far as um, the sources of news that people seek and uh, the people that they choose to interact with uh, online. Uh, so we just have fewer opportunities where we're forced to confront, uh, people who share different beliefs. And that's one of the other potential issues with the rise in like school vouchers is a lot of people, when they say, why do you want to go to a private school or why, why do you need a voucher? or Why do you want to homeschool? It's so, my kid doesn't have to be exposed to ideas that I disagree with. And that does not bode well for a democratic society where you have to figure out a way um, to get along with people who share ideas that you don't agree with. Okay. And what's your take on these two points? Well, I think, I think the second answer answered the first question. I I think um, social media just exacerbates something we already do, which is we make our little bubbles and we find people that we're comfortable with and agree with. And we've always done this. You know, we're we're tribal people. That's what we do. But, But somehow or another, we've, the social bubbles have also exacerbated as you know, the example of the private schools, you just don't even come into contact with people that you don't agree with. 
you don't even know those people. And, man, when you don't know those people, it's really easy to dislike them. Um, I, there's something I keep thinking about. There was an old uh, TV series, which, whose name I don't remember, of course, um, but the host was a guy named Jake, Jacob Bronowski, and he took people through history. I think it was not civilization, but it was, it was the predecessor to that series of civilization. Anyway, so Bronowski was, you know, talking about this and that and with every program. It was fascinating. And at one point, he was in um, maybe Poland, and he was in, he was at the site of a former concentration camp, and he was Jewish, and his relatives had died at that concentration camp. And he was standing in some kind of a swamp. He had boots on. And it was, turned out to be where the, the remains, the, you know, of the, of the people who were killed were flushed into this swamp. So he was standing in a swamp that had the remains of his ancestors, his relatives. And he said, he just stood there in that swamp and he looked right into the camera and he said something like, I really want you to consider you might be wrong. And I have never forgotten that. You know, yeah, we can be, really, really wrong about things. And if we remember that about ourselves, maybe we can back off this, you know, I mean, the guy who mows my lawn, you know, I said, did you get your booster? And he said, not going to talk about it. And so, of course, the next time I saw him, I had to say, did you get your booster? And he said, I'm not going to talk about it. And, and I thought, Boy, I don't like this guy anymore. I'm not going to have him mow my lawn. But I didn't ask him why he didn't get his booster, and I didn't listen to him at all. Um, we just agreed to stop talking about boosters. Well, it's so, a, a counter to this, and I must admit, um, I wasn't uh, old enough. I wasn't alive when this happened, but... Um, the counter was, remember, with uh, the drug thalidomide. Thalidomide, yeah. Where you had yeah. now, it was some scientists that were kind of pushing it. It was more pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies that were really, really, really trying to push it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was uh, Frances Ogden. Uh, I'm trying to think of her last name. Fred, but she's the one that was working for the Food and Drug Administration under the Kennedy administration that put a stop yeah. on it. But you had something that scientists had been using for other things. It had gone through a ton of research. And yet when it was thought that this was the answer for the working woman for morning sickness because the foundries weren't going to stop. Mm -hmm. So that when she was pregnant, it turned to have just um, horrific consequences. And it kind of amazed me that, of course, the people I was talking that were anti-vaxxers who had no idea about that, and that was an argument that they possibly could have used on their side because they didn't really ever research any of it. Uh, It never was brought up. Because that was a point yeah. that, you know, that might have been right, that you would hold off a little bit. 
but um, how do you view it, Ann and Ed? Because I'm not. T- I'm sure no Brett knows about it, but uh, you know, you guys were. I think. I know Ed was alive when it was a big deal. Um, yeah, I was all of five years old in 1960. Um, uh, why so late? No, <laughs> actually, I was earlier. I was, I was. I was a failure of contraception. Oh, no, well, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the next that show. Came, but anyway, that came from the horse's mouth. That's not me okay, making okay. this up. Okay, <laughs> Dave, remember that for the topic of the next show, please. Thank you. But anyway. <laughs> Um, well, it, if you're talking about it, did it affect my views on vaccines? No. No. no um, or what was, did I understand your question correctly? Well, again, though, it was science that supposedly had an answer, and it was wrong. Now, the drug companies were pushing it, but that shield was science. They used that shield. And there were scientists coming along saying, no, it's not science. Well, so, yeah, and I think, um, if nothing else, what that shows, that the corruption of science um, and real. conflation with commerce yep. can be a very deadly combination. Um, but I, I never knew anybody. I I knew a few people that were uh, a little older than I am, struck with polio, right. and we all lined up in yeah. droves to take yeah. that vaccine because everybody had lived through it, particularly our parents. Um, <laughs> but I I have no explaining the anti-vaxxer people. I, all right. Yeah. Brett, what's your take? I had a. I'm sorry, Ann. Go ahead. You know, I love Brett. Go ahead, Ann. I, I had a, I had a cousin who uh, took thalidomide, and luckily the baby was okay. Um, and I taught in a classroom once um, where a little girl was had been a thalidomide baby, and she didn't have any arms. So I'm very aware of that, and it it of of the thalidomide thing. But to me especially now after I've been hanging around scientists for such a long time, I understand that, I mean, I'm certain some science gets corrupted by big pharma. I'm certain that happens. And other organizations as well. Yeah, go to an ag school. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yes. (laughs) Yes. So I'm certain that exists. And we should never forget that. We should also not confuse it with the way science normally operates. Remember at the beginning of the pandemic, they were saying, well, we don't really know how how well masks protect you. And we don't know. We think it's we don't know how well it communicates on surfaces. You know, can you you get if you touch the same elevator button as somebody who had COVID, are you going to get COVID? They didn't know. And they found out. Right. And so, but but we got to do things, you know, red and blue, black and white. And so, first of all, they said, no, do not wear masks. I mean, that's how it was. It wasn't presented as, we don't know if you should wear masks or not. So let's just do it to be sure. But don't worry about it. But then... Once they found out, then it was. And so it was, it was always presented as a binary. You should wear masks. You should not wear masks. Well, I think, honestly, one of the things that hurt the mask in the beginning was because the instant knee-jerk was the Spanish influenza, where they had, remember, yeah. this is not the first pandemic yeah. where you had problems with masks. Right. And science proved back then that the masks that they had at the time 
it was like chicken wire because the virus was going to go yeah. through it. But again, right. and I was I was one of those in the beginning going, well, I'm not saying no, but we tried this in the past and it was inefficient. And I have a very good friend of mine who's a rear admiral for the CDC. And she said, the masks have changed. The game is different. We've yes, advanced yes, yes. it so much. And that's why you do it. Yes. And that was the answer once I heard that. I was like, yeah. Um, Brett, uh, right. your last point. We'll, we'll conclude. Uh, I think this kind of ties into what we've been talking about the whole show is there is a tendency with some people to see people who change their minds, who do a complete 180 as just going whichever way the wind blows them. And I think that might be one of the reasons why, uh, especially during the pandemic, it became harder and harder to get people to listen to CDC recommendations because people didn't really have a sense of how science works to begin with. And so they saw, well, last week you told me to do this thing. And this week you're telling me the complete opposite. So I'm just not going to listen to anything you say and do whatever I want. And I think to draw it back, that is why uh, people like Anne who can talk about science and, and put it in a more publicly accessible uh, form for people who don't particularly feel the need to go to graduate school are so important. It, it helps bridge that divide. Okay. We would like to thank our guests for the 538 show, Ann Finkbeiner, freelance science writer, who talked to us about her blog uh her blog cast what we've completely 100 percent changed our minds about the history buffs for today's show are brett menard and ed broders roi can be found at 9 30 p.m on friday nights on kala or you can tune in at i'll go to the web and tune in at tunein.com if you're looking for older programs you can find them at soundcloud.com Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station KALA St. Ambrose University.